Hello, and thanks for tuning in to As Word Spreads, a BC podcast by youth for youth. Welcome to episode four of As Word Spreads. This episode, we are talking to Rachel Malik, a former youth in care connected to the University Women's Club of Vancouver, who recently led conversations in towns across BC to discuss the issue of extending support to youth who age out from 19 to 25. Thanks for joining me here today. Thank you for having me. So, um, I guess let's just get right into it. You recently worked on a lot on the issue of extending support to youth who age out of foster care, traveling to different communities. Can you tell us a bit more about that project and the kinds of attitudes or people you encountered throughout BC? Totally. Uh, so the project was a six-month study circle project. So it was a chance for young people and community members to come together for about six weeks of dialogue, which is just group discussions. And they try to learn both from the academic info about like news and whatever about young people aging out, but then they also wanted to learn from each other's experiences and from our stories and from right where we, even if you haven't been in care, what helped you when you were turning into an adult and what supports were around you and how did that help you build a future for yourself, right? So we ended up doing trainings in Vancouver, North Vancouver, Kelowna, and Victoria. We did do a training in Nanaimo as well, and they ended up going and doing their own version, similar project. And yeah, it was a very, very interesting project. Uh, The biggest learning point for us was really having the adults be willing to sit as equal with the young people being willing to be vulnerable with each other, being willing to share their own stories and recognize recognize the strengths, recognize the power of that community as partners in change. So these young people who participated, yeah, they they were able to share their stories, share their connections, but also to be someone who the peers learned from and be someone who would shape what was happening in their community next. Could you tell me about any similarities from the stories? I think one thing that really stands out to me is like the strength of these young people. So just, I think all of us, we've had a lot of different experiences, but one of the things that's similar is that the resiliency and the strength that comes out of overcoming those challenges and the determination to build a better life for ourselves. And I think, One of the other similarities is just how much potential, how much determination, how much hope there is in these young people and how it's really just just a matter of making those connections, making the connections with sort of sometimes the formal stuff, like young people might not know about the services or the funding or tuition waivers or things like that, but then also making a connection with people who will care about you, who will call you on your birthday, who will invite you over for Christmas. And like, I think the persistence that it takes to try and build that connections and the future that you really want for yourself. And that's something that all young people share, but especially young people aging out of foster care. Absolutely. And just going back to the, what kind of attitudes did you encounter across these circles? I think... The biggest one we had to overcome was this idea of, I just want to do something to help those people. Because 
even though it sounds really good when you first hear it, it's like, oh yeah, we want to go. It sometimes becomes just, what can we, what can we do to give it an instant fix? What can the government do? Can I give money to it? Can I go and sort fix, of brush it under the rug? Right, totally. And when you want to help someone else, you're not really recognizing that you're in this together, and that it's helpful to our whole society to have a young to have young people there and contributing and being a part of it. And young people really know know what's going on on the ground and they've got knowledge and they've got experience and they've got the ability to make this change. And so getting community members and specifically people with power, people who are used to being able to influence the government or being able to influence something, getting them to see that they need to work on an equal level with the people who are affected. There's, Vancouver Foundation, we always say, nothing about us without us, right? And so that's the biggest shift that I want to see happening across BC. And I could see it happening slowly but surely with the participants. Hopefully that's going to, like, snowball effect, affect the community, the people around them. Were there any negative responses? We definitely... I think the first one that comes to mind is that idea of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I think a lot of people a lot of people think they did it on their own when they first hear it, even if they came from like a really good situation, especially when they did. They want to think that they went out in the world and they built the life that they have. But often those supports that made that possible are invisible. And I found once we started going to stories, people started to realize, well, I had the ability to go away for a year to London. I had the ability to pay for a flight and not be going to school and not be worrying where I'd live when I got home. And so, yeah, I think that it takes some self-reflection from the community to realize none of us can just pull ourselves up the bootstrap. We need community and we need support. Going back to that thought of community, what kind of response did you receive from school staff? I think that would be a stronger focus. So getting into the high schools, getting into the young people who might be aging out in the future and might have peers who are. This time, because of the organization we were with, it was, it wasn't, wasn't everyone. Sorry, that was me stumbling on my words there. No worries. But we did have some teachers in the circle, and we did have a couple high school students, and one of the goals for that came out of our project was to start partnering and going in to educate the schools and the hospitals, because these are often going to be the first point of contact. Like, this is... Young people are going to school. Young people are accessing services, and those services should be aware of what's going on and aware of what resources and what these young people need, right? For sure. So Minister of Children and Family Development, Stephanie Cadio, said last month, BC will not extend support to the 700 to 1,000 youth who age out of foster care each year, who often fall directly into severe poverty and homelessness, but will instead focus on finding more permanent housing for the 7,200 kids already in care even though recent polling shows 70% of British Columbians specifically support raising the age. It's not an either-or, so what would you say to her that might change her mind? Hmm. I wish I knew the magic thing to say. I'd be up there screaming it every day. But, I don't know, I guess, on the one hand, 
of course we need to make it a better system for those who are under 19 and we need more permanency in our lives and even just the transition planning like right now there's a policy that your transition's supposed to start at 16 you're going to start thinking about that and the social worker has to make this plan but it becomes just a form that they're going to fill out you may or may not know it even exists and when you do you may not have that influence in what it looks like it's probably not going to be your roadmap Absolutely. I mean, like, just from personal experience, I didn't even get that aging out ceremony. And so many, like, other youth that I know didn't have that either. So it's really Mm -hmm. indiscreet. Totally. So there's there's work to be done. And 100% we want to work on, like, the system that's already there for people under 19. But the reality is, even if it was a perfect system, young people across BC aren't able to just go out at 19. Okay, you've had everything taken care of up to that point. You're not just going to walk out on the street and figure everything out in one day, right? It takes time, and when we recognize that everyone in our community is struggling with this transition, everyone needs some support in this, and we realize that young people in foster care are our kids. The BC government is their guardian. The BC government answers to BC and to us. Right? And so we've got to make sure that we're treating those in our community, giving them the same opportunities as their peers and that chance to contribute and to bring their awesome strengths into this community, right? Equity of access. Exactly. So in British Columbia, we face a situation in which 60% of foster kids are Indigenous, and yet focus on that fact tends to lock people into thinking that's just the way it is. How do you think we can break out of this cycle that stretches back for decades? Again, that's... I wish there was an easy answer there, and there's not especially for... especially hard for me to answer as someone who is not necessarily Indigenous, like, who's not necessarily had that experience. Like, okay, I've got it in, whatever, four or five generations back, but I haven't had to deal with the immediate effects of that. And it's a very different thing to look at it from your own community. I think from the outside, all I can say is that it comes to, again, working as equals and really centering the lived experience of people who are First Nations and to allow them to take leadership and to take a support role in that. I think the community, especially in Vancouver, you look at the missing and murdered women's marches coming to mind, the amount of power, community, the spirit that comes into that. I think we have a lot to learn. We can transform our community if we're, work again, working as equals, working in collaboration, right? Absolutely. Lack of role models is often brought up as something youth in foster care urgently need, but is a scarce resource. Can you mention a few you've come across or perhaps even inspired you early on? Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of my biggest role models, I didn't really figure it out, until like years later, but she was a youth worker at my school and she was just, I went to an alternate school on the island and we'd go whenever we wanted and we'd usually go when we were in crisis or when we needed food. That's when we'd show up there and this youth worker, she'd go around, she knew where all the smoke pits were, she knew where everyone was getting in trouble, she had this little old pickup truck and she'd let us all climb in the back and we'd go to her house and pick apples. The next day we'd peel them, next day we'd make we'd make applesauce out of them and then we'd jar them and then whenever you had something you needed someone you'd just go and 
go, I need some applesauce, right? And able to be present, who are able to build relationships and who are able to just sort of make space in the long run, in their lives, in their hearts for, yeah. I think even now though, the University Women's Club has, just through this last project, the women who we were working on, on the process circle where we were planning, there was some really deep learning that went on there and it's beautiful for me now to realize, hey, there are some women in this world who know me, who care about me, who will, when I went to the emergency room, one of them came with me and these are again role models of being open-hearted, being loving and caring, putting in that effort for people. It's lovely. So to borrow one of the questions you ask in coming to knowing, study circle guide on aging out of care in BC, the report you put together at the end of this project, what would it look like to have a province that better deals with young people aging out and transitioning to adulthood? What would need to happen to make these changes? Well, I know, just to go into like the boring stuff, I know economically they put out a report last year and I think it was like, I'm gonna get the numbers wrong, but I know it was like over 200 million it's costing us per young person to not provide these supports. It would cost just a little bit over 50 million to actually provide those supports. So it makes sense, even just on the most basic level for a society. But I think on an emotional level, on an emotional level, it would look like we're actually living up to our values. It would look like we're actually caring for a community and the people in it. And then I think on the social level, like I said that a bit earlier, like young people have been, the young people from foster care have been through a lot. They've learned a lot, they have a lot to offer. So I think our communities would be a bit smarter, a bit brighter, a bit more energetic and a bit stronger for the future, right? For sure. My last question for you today. Did you discover anything unexpected throughout the Study Circles project? Mm -hmm. I think, I think the biggest thing that I discovered was specifically like, cause the University Women's Club has about 20 some odd clubs across the province. And so there's a lot of, a, an easy way to connect with these women across the province and within them, within that community, almost everybody that I spoke to was ready to do something, was ready to engage, was ready to learn. And they're often sitting with the question of, what do I do? Where do I go? How do I meet these young people? Okay, I'm ready to build a relationship. I'm ready to offer support. And so I think just what surprised me was how ready everyone you talk to is to care and how important it is to start building these bridges between different different networks, different communities, between schools and hospitals and the formal advocacy and the people who are just gonna invite you over for dinner or whatever, right? And so yeah, the need for connections, yeah. Thanks so much for your time today, Rachel. Did you have any closing thoughts you wanted to leave? Just a big thank you and this show is awesome and I'm really excited and I hope you'll have me again one day. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to As Word Spreads, a production of First Call BC Child and Youth Advocacy Coalition. This was an episode of As Word Spreads. Stay tuned for more of the world as youth see it.